Our Old Testament lesson this morning is Psalm 24. Psalm 24, verses 1 through 10, which can be found on page 860 in your pew Bibles. And before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. And we thank you for all that you have made. Lord, we thank you for the many gifts that you have given to us. We thank you for the gift of your word. We ask that as we hear it read and proclaimed this morning, that you would give us ears to hear and minds to understand and hearts that are ready to receive it into our lives. And God, we thank you most of all for your word made flesh. Lord, it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Psalm 24 a psalm of David, a psalm. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. Turning then to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Paul is writing to the church in Philippi from, uh, from prison. And as he does so, he has been reflecting on his own situation and sees how Jesus has the victory in everything and is now encouraging everyone to consider Jesus in all of their circumstances and situations. And so he says, starting in verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this morning, we are going to, uh, we're going to look at the next step in a story that we've been telling the last several weeks. 
a story of a man who uh, Jesus healed from his blindness and the ways in which people respond to that. But before we get there, I brought something to show you. This is just an ordinary metal bolt. There is nothing special about it. But uh, I'm going to show you something that I know I don't have to show you because I could explain it and you all have it already in your minds. But if I let go of this in midair, will it stay where it is? Will it, do you think it will go up or down? Let's find out. You guys are brilliant. Okay. Hang on, I got another one. We've got a cup of water. We're going to see if it floats. What do you think? Float on the water? Or sink straight down? Here we go. Straight down. Right there to the bottom. Y'all are very impressed, aren't you? Shocked and surprised that that was the case. No, of course not. Everybody knows that metal doesn't stay in the air on its own. Everybody knows that it can't float on water. That is common sense. If you've had any experience in the real world, you know that. But wait, has anybody ever been on a boat that was made of metal? That was floating on the water? Yeah? Having been on that boat, do you think someone could convince you that boats can't stay on water because they're made of metal, they're going to (laughs) sink? Could anyone convince you of that? No, you've been there. You've experienced that. You know that it, given the shape and the principles of buoyancy, yes, you can have metal that floats on water, even though in the shape of a bolt, it does not. Anybody been on an airplane made of metal that actually stayed up in the air? <laughs> Having been on an airplane, could anyone convince you that... Uh, Airplanes can't fly? I would hope not. (laughs) Having had that experience of being on an airplane, it is one of the strangest things. Have anybody ever uh, seen a ramp at the end of a runway? I have not. No, there's no ramp at the end of a runway. The airplane just goes down the runway, and the, uh, the ground is flat, and then at some point it just starts lifting off the ground. And that feeling and that experience of being on the plane as it's just going faster and faster and faster, and then you're looking out the window and you feel this, whoa. (laughs) That's an experience you don't really forget. (laughs) As you lift up into the air and then you have this realization of what's going on, that this metal thing is now being supported by the air. And as we just saw, that normally doesn't happen. There's something crazy going on there Uh, with the uh, principles just of aviation in general and aerodynamics and thrust and all these things. But do you need to understand the principles of buoyancy to ride on a boat? No, you do not. It would help if you were going to make a boat. <laughs> but to go on a boat, you don't need to understand it. What about going on an airplane? Do you need to understand it, how it all works? No, you don't. Uh, help if you're going to make one, but otherwise you can get on an airplane and you can fly through the air and you can land in Dallas and you could get out in Dallas and have no idea how that happened. (laughs) And people in Dallas could try to convince you that flight isn't possible because metal is heavier than air. And you could say, I can't explain it, but I can assure you it's possible. 
because I just did it. I just had that experience. This is kind of where we're going uh, today with this man who was born blind. Um, we have Pharisees who are talking to this man. He was born blind. Jesus takes this man and uh, the disciples point him out and say, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That was the idea uh, that they had in their minds was he's blind as a punishment for something he did wrong. Or maybe since he was born that way, maybe he's being punished for something his parents did. And Jesus is like, you guys don't understand how this works. And you are missing the whole point. The point is not uh, his sin. The point is not his parents' sin. That's not what's going on here at all. Let me tell you what's going on. This man is about to have the glory of God displayed in his life. And you're going to get to see it. And he's going to get to see. <laughs> and, and that should be something amazing to everyone. And so he takes this man and he spits on the ground. He makes mud out of the dirt and he rubs it on the man's eyes. And he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. The man goes and he washes and then he can see. All right. Do you think this man is going to be able to explain how he was healed? What just happened with his eyeballs that have never worked in his entire life, but now they work? Can he explain that? No. Are you going to be able to convince him that he can't actually see? No. <laughs> He's had the experience personally. He knows that now he can see. And so you're not going to be able to argue uh, with him about that. And yet, it's kind of where we are. Um, so here we have in chapter 9, uh, starting in verse 24, after we've had some examination of parents, etc. So verse 24, a second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. Who are they talking about? They're not talking about the blind man. They're not saying we know you're a sinner. They're talking to him about the man who healed him. So here's what's fun about this particular passage. Jesus' name is never mentioned, but everyone's talking about him. <laughs> They're just talking about him as this man or this fellow. I mean, he's the one who healed the other guy. You know, that's who he is. So uh, we know this man is a sinner and the response. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind but now I see. If that line sounds familiar to you from a certain hymn, that's, that has been a common way of explaining what it means to become a Christian, what that experience is like, to have your eyes open, to see the whole world in a very different way than before. That, but that was this man's experience physically. I once was blind, but now I see. That kind of thing. What's happening here? Uh, we're going to look at this in three, three steps and then the conclusion. There are pairs of uh, interaction that the Pharisees are having with this man who was born blind. And so they're going to say something and he's going to respond. They're going to say something, he's going to respond. They're going to say something, he's going to respond. And then we'll see their final response. So let's take it that way. This is that first pair. And basically, in this first pair, uh, you know, give glory to God, they said, by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner. In other words, this is what we've talked about before, you know, we've got our mind made up. 
we already know and have already come to a conclusion. And what we want from you now is for you to just tell us we're right. Well, that's going to be difficult (laughs) for someone who knows they're not right. And so what his, his response is, is really just kind of, well, let's look at the facts. You know, they said, we know he's a sinner. Why does he think that, why do they think he's a sinner? Because he's making mud on the Sabbath day. You can't be working on the Sabbath day. If you're working on the Sabbath day and clearly making mud is work, then uh, you're not upholding the law that God has set down. If you're breaking the law of God, then you are sinning. And therefore, they say, case closed, this man is a sinner. He's a lawbreaker. He's someone who does not uphold the law of God. Now, the way that Jesus actually upholds the law, even of the Sabbath, is a conversation for another day, but it is amazing the way that he actually upholds it in a way that they don't. But they've already decided he's broken that, therefore he's a sinner. And so they say that to this man. We've already come to the conclusion, why won't you just go ahead and, you know, say it? This man uh, is a sinner, so tell us the truth. Let us know, you know, what happened. And the guy's like, look, this whole whether he's a sinner business or not, I don't know about that. That's not my call to make. But I'll tell you what I do know. I was blind, and now I see. Like, it's almost like, have you guys missed that part of the story? Like, you're focusing on this making mud business. Who cares? Do you realize that I was blind, and now I can see? How have you missed that? How has that escaped uh, your notice? Next interaction. This is uh, verse 26. Well, then they asked him. We're going to talk about the eyes now. Then they asked him, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? This is fantastic. Here it sounds like maybe they're actually going uh, to pay attention uh, to his side of the story kind of thing, but they're not. It's another diversion. That's what they're doing now is basically saying to the person who arrives in Dallas by airplane, well, how does flight work? And I don't know. That's not the point. <laughs> the point is not that it works. The point is not how it works. The point is that it works. And so, uh, and this is not the first time that he's gone through this with them. And so <laughs> when... <laughs> When they say, you know, how did he do it? How does this happen? How does that work? His response to them is a little on the sarcastic side. So verse 27, he answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Ooh. Ooh. Better watch it, buddy. <laughs> I mean, here he is uh, talking with these guys who clearly have an agenda. Uh, they, <laughs> they are no fans of Jesus. They want rid of him and they want any excuse. And so for this guy who knows that that's the case, for them, him to say, oh, oh, do you want to be his disciple? I mean, that is just a way of uh, digging them right there. Um, but the point he makes when he says that, yeah, there's sarcasm there. There's a bit of, of humor there. Is they're asking a question of, uh, of the process. How did this thing happen? And his point is, who cares about that? 
let me ask you a deeper question. Let me question your very motives. In other words, you asked this question, but you've already asked the question. And I've given you the answer, and it's not the answer you wanted, and so la, 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 you put your fingers in your ear, you don't listen to what it is, because you don't want to know the truth. You just want to get him, right? And so the question of motive, oh, do you want to be his disciples? Is that why you're asking the question? Clearly not. (laughs) You're asking the question because you've already made up your mind, and now you're just looking for some sort of an ally in doing him in. So realizing that he's not going to be any help to them, we have verse 28. Then they hurled insults at him. Kind of could see that one coming. Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciples. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. What do they do here? Deflect. (laughs) Deflect. And so they start attacking the blind man himself, insulting him, saying, you're his disciples, and then saying, you know, distancing himself from the whole situation. we, we, We follow Moses. We know this guy doesn't follow Moses. Clearly, he's making mud on the Sabbath. Come on. But we also know, I mean, Moses is who ought to be followed, right? God spoke to Moses. We know that. This guy... I mean, who is this guy? Where does he come from? We don't even know where he comes from. And it sounds like maybe they're making a reasonable case. And yet, it's the blind man, which I love that it just keeps calling him the blind man or the one who was born blind or something like that. Like, he can see now. But we're not calling him the the one who can see. But what's funny is we kind of should call him the one who can see because in this interaction, he's the only one who can see. And so they make what sounds like a reasonable case, and he comes back at him with, no, not at all reasonable. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from. Yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God... He could do nothing. He's the only one. This, this man who is blind is the only one who can see. When he says, uh, you don't know where he, come from, where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes, he's not saying, look, obviously he comes from Nazareth. That's where they have the best eye doctors. No. <laughs> they, what he's saying is they don't have eye doctors anywhere that have ever done what this man just did. You can go through the entire world and nobody anywhere has ever heard of somebody who was born blind who then was healed of that, who was able to see again. In other words, if he were from here, this would not have happened. So when you say you don't know where he came from, it's like your eyes aren't open. You aren't paying attention. You aren't seeing what's right in front of you. I was born blind. Now I see, do the math, this guy's not from around here. If he were not from God, he could have done nothing. And so this is the whole interaction. But, you know, the the three sets. 
where they come at him and he comes back and this is back and forth between. And every time they are just trying, trying, trying to just pin something on Jesus that's going to stick. And every time this guy that was born blind keeps saying, you are missing the point. You are absolutely missing what is standing right in front of you. Like I am all the evidence that you need for who this man is and how you shouldn't be trying to get him. You should be bowing down at his feet. And so this has been the exchange the whole way through. And so now the conclusion of the matter. Do they actually listen and pay attention? Do they hear the evidence? Do they see the evidence? Do they come to the right conclusion? And the answer is, of course not. Verse 34. To this, they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. This has got to be one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Here they have all the evidence they need to understand who Jesus is. Standing right there in front of them. And they take that evidence and they throw it out. They take this man who had been healed because of the compassion of Jesus and they take him and when they, he doesn't suit their purposes, they throw him out. They reject the person of God. They reject the work of God, even though they have all the evidence they need. And you read this and you're like, how in the world could anyone do that? How could they be so blind? Well, let's go with another illustration. <laughs> Has anybody ever been to a football game? Probably so. Have you ever had that experience where something happens in the football game? Uh, the pass is thrown, the receiver dives for it, and it's really close. But did it hit the ground or not? Well, everyone in the stands is absolutely sure they saw exactly what happened. The strange thing is this half saw that the ball hit the ground and this half saw that, no, he caught it before it hit the ground. And everyone is sure of that. Now, how are they sure of that? Because, I mean, they know what jersey he was wearing, (laughs) right? And what they believe about that particular team changes what they see. Given another way, there is some uh, stuff happening in Washington, D.C. these days. Maybe you've noticed. It's been in the news. <laughs> and, uh, and my guess is, if you've been paying any attention, you've got some pretty strong feelings about what's going on one way or the other. Strangely, it seems like, and, you know, I'll talk about Congress first, and then you can apply this to yourself if it fits. But what I've noticed in Congress is that everyone is really sure about whether this should be happening or not. Some are very, very sure that this should absolutely be happening. This is a very, very important thing to uh, to be done. And others think this should not be happening at all. And for important reasons. And so you've got both of those and they're absolutely sure. And what's so strange is you don't even have to talk to them to know which way they think. 
All you have to do is look for the letter that follows their name. Representative so-and-so, is that an R or a D? Oh, I get it now. I know what their view is. And what's strange is you, if you watch any of the proceedings, how someone will be talking and all the other people are not listening. If they're on the other side, they're having their side conversations, they're not listening, but everybody's making their speech and everybody else is over talking. And then it's my turn to talk. Now I talk and everybody else is. What in the world? And the reason is everybody's minds were made up already <laughs> before any of it came before them. And what's and so, you know, that's Congress. And we look at that and we say how terrible that should not be. But have we done any different? Or does your view on this particular proceeding line up perfectly with how you voted in 2016? I'm going to guess <laughs> that, that, that this room is not unusual, and that's kind of how it's playing out around the country. That we are no better at evaluating uh, the evidence that's right in front of us than the members of Congress and the Pharisees and the fans of the football team. <laughs> This is what we do. We like to make ourselves believe that we are completely impartial and unbiased, and yet we are very partial and we are very biased. The Bible tells us that our hearts are deceitfully wicked. In other words, we will lie to ourselves, and then worst of all, we will believe it. We've been talking about this man who was healed from his blindness. And we look at the evidence that there is uh, standing in front of the Pharisees in the way we say it's so sad that they had that evidence and yet they're rejected. And what I'm going to say is we all have plenty of evidence for who Jesus is and what he has done and why he came. And for a lot of us, we throw it out. For a lot of us, we will actually take uh, the evidence and act more like we did with the more with the bolt <laughs> and the boat and the airplane and that sort of thing. And we'll say, well, I don't understand it. I don't understand how that could be the case. Therefore, I don't have enough evidence. You don't need to understand all the principles. What you need to have is that experience. And yes, there are principles, and we can talk about those later, but the point is, first, just the experience. Get on the boat. Get on the plane. Know that uh, that, that actually is a thing, and it works. Having had that experience, was that experience enough for this man who was born blind? In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. We'll talk about those on Tuesday night. But at this point, in talking with the Pharisees, no one is going to argue him out of his position. And not because he was um, ignoring the evidence, but because he's the only one who's actually looking at the evidence. (laughs) Because he has had an experience of this that he can't be argued out of. As we look at our own lives. I want you to think back through. Think back through the experiences you've had 
in ways in which uh, you have been changed by Jesus. Think of ways in which he has uh, softened your heart towards people you never thought he would soften your heart towards. Think about ways in which he has uh, made you more generous towards people you never thought you'd be generous towards, or in ways you never thought would happen. Think about ways in which he has uh, held your tongue in ways you used to never hold your tongue. Think about the changes that he has made in your life. And sure, we're not where we're uh, going to be yet, but hopefully you're not where you used to be. And if you have experienced those changes in your life, I hope that you will hold on to those, that you will review and remember, and that you will continue forward in that, and that you will continue to share this good news of the way in which Jesus changes lives with others. And one of the reasons people don't like to share uh, anything about Jesus is because they're like, well, what if I get asked a question I can't answer, right? There will always be questions you can't answer, and my point is, who cares? Who cares? This man could not answer all the questions. And so they're like, well, is this guy, this, he's a sinner, right? And this guy's like, I don't know. I'll tell you this, I used to be blind, not now. How about that? <laughs> and that's what we can do. We can share about what we do know and leave the rest to God. <laughs> Here's what I know. Here has been my experience. Here's what I've learned so far. Here's the journey I'm on. And leave the rest to him. We will have opportunities, especially this time of year. We will have opportunities for these kinds of conversations. There will be people who will be absolutely uh, dead set against hearing any of it. That happens. But we do the same too. And so we can still respond to them with compassion and with kindness, with generosity. There will also be others who will be ready to receive this message. And I hope that we don't let anything stop us from sharing what we know. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.